This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And helping take our leadership to the next level, we have Dr. Richard Blackaby. Well, I'll do what house. I can, Sam. <laughs> well, we always appreciate what you do do, and uh, we uh, we've been uh, <clears throat> on a series now on uh, your new book that is out now, and it's called "The Ways of God." Yeah, by B and H Publishing, and uh, we're excited about this. Uh, as you can tell, we've dedicated a number of podcasts to it. Yeah, and. Uh, and it's just, uh, I think it's something that can help a lot of people. And uh, it's called The Ways of God, and it looks at how uh, how the ways of God, <laughs> yeah, essentially. That's a, well, that's um, a succinct way of... <laughs> and thank you for uh, coming to the podcast, and uh, that's, that's all we have to say about that. But no, one of the ways of God is beauty, and yeah. I, I especially like this uh, aspect. And so why don't you uh, open that up for us today? Yeah, you know, Sam, we, we all, I think, could pr- pretty quickly conclude that God's ways are powerful, that they're uh, loving, that they're holy. But uh, when I was writing this, I was trying to do a kind of a survey of, well, what are all the ways of God? And some are pretty self-evident, uh, he's mm-hmm. faithful. Um, but then there were a couple that uh, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, that that is that is the way he does things, but it's not one that you would normally think of. And one of those is that his ways tend to be beautiful. Uh, and of course, uh, when you look at uh, Genesis chapter one, when God's creating the earth, he keeps saying it's good, it's good. And of course you wonder, what does that mean? What, what does he mean by it's good? Does he it mean it's very pragmatic that uh, everything functions properly. It's Uh, rightly ordered. Yeah. uh, Certainly all the planets are orbiting properly around the sun and the the galaxies are all in place and so on. But, uh, uh, but I think as he creates the earth, you know, he, he creates waterfalls, he creates mountain ranges, creates uh, beautiful animals, uh, rivers, uh, forests. There's just so much in this earth that uh, as you look at it, you're just, you, you have a sense of awe as you, as you look at that and you wonder, um, is that what God was thinking? Was he using all the creativity of, of the Godhead? Uh, was he thinking, what can I, you know, as an artist, what can I, what beautiful things can I put together in this planet? Um, and Romans one verse 20, it says, you know, when you look out at the stars and, and space, uh, it says that you see his the workmanship of God, this, his handiwork, and and it testifies to the awesome God who created it. And so, even just looking out on a starry night, you're seeing the handiwork of God. And and many people have wondered about even that. You know, the the we we've not yet been able to see or find the edge of the universe. Uh, yeah. the, the more and more powerful telescopes and so on. Um, and we realize it still goes on and on. And they've kind of estimated at how many trillion light years uh, the the edge of the universe is to Earth, but they still aren't for sure because they keep probing even further and saying, well, it, no, it goes back even further than that. And, uh, you know, you'd have to ask the question, I mean, if we're the only human beings, if we're the only living creatures in an entire vast universe, 
wouldn't that have been a bit of overkill? Like all we needed was one sun, right? And one planet circling around one sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would God put, you know, I can see, okay, he put a bunch of vast stars out in the galaxy so that we'd have a pretty sky at night when we looked up into the sky. But I mean, why does he put uh, galaxies trillions of miles away that the, perhaps the light from those stars hasn't even reached the earth yet? after all of, of human history. Um, it, it couldn't have been for us, because, I mean, we probably are never going to see the edge of the universe, or at least certainly not for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but he sees it. I mean, could he have created this vast universe just for his own pleasure, for his own delight? Um, and so what is it about God that just takes delight in beautiful things? You know, it's interesting uh, my son Daniel wrote a whole dissertation on this, and I've, yeah. on this chapter I borrowed a lot from his uh, dissertation, but he quotes a letter that uh, Charles Darwin wrote to Asa Gray on April 3rd, 1860. He said, the sight of a feather in a peacock's tail, whenever I gaze at it, makes me sick. <laughs> and the reason he said that was uh, when you have a survival of the fittest, kind of mentality and evolutionary view of, of uh, the animal kingdom, then sometimes it doesn't make sense that God made some animals so beautiful. And when you saw a peacock and all of his beautiful uh, feathers spread out, he said, you know, the, you would think that that would make you a, a target. I mean, it would be easy to see you if you're a predator to kill you. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't God have, I mean, those beautiful birds, wouldn't they have been the first ones to all get killed and eaten because they couldn't hide anywhere. They're, they're too beautiful. But, uh, and he said, I, Darwin had difficulty explaining beauty in an evolutionary system. Uh, mm-hmm. they should have been the best camouflaged birds. Uh, now of course he ultimately tries to make a case that they would, the more beautiful, the bird perhaps get the better mates and so on. But, yeah. but that doesn't mean that would just maybe create more beautiful birds, but not necessarily more survivable, you know, strong, uh, peacocks. But anyway, I, I thought that was interesting that one of the great, uh, flaws perhaps, or weak points in evolutionary theory is beauty. How, how, why are so many things designed in a beautiful way instead of a purely functional way? Just survival of the fittest doesn't require beauty. Uh, and so why would God do that? Uh, and it's just interesting when you watch how God does things. Um, for instance, when he, especially as Daniel points out in his dissertation, um, especially when it comes to things related to him, like the, the worship of him. And so like the Ark of the Covenant, why does he make the inside of the Ark of the Covenant overlaid with gold, right? Because no one's ever going to look in there, right? Yeah. Oh, no one even sees the Ark except one person once a year. Why is it all overlaid with gold, especially the inside? Like you're never looking in there. Um, but the inside where no one looks is overlaid with gold because that represents his presence. And why are the, the curtains in the temp, in the tabernacle embroidered with cherubim and beautiful you know, threads of various colors. Yeah. Uh, why does he care? I mean, all he needs to do is just keep people from looking in, right? He doesn't need to have embroidered curtains hanging. Uh, doesn't have to have all kinds of gold and, uh, you know, rods and things carrying the, the holding up the curtains in the tabernacle. Uh, and Bazalel is the person who's uh, tasked with designing the original 
uh, worship items in the in the tabernacle. And, uh, and interestingly, da- Daniel points out that he is the first person that the Bible says was filled with the Holy Spirit, which is kind of interesting, uh, as Daniel points out. It, it's not a prophet. It's not a priest or a king. The first person that the Bible says was filled with the Spirit is an artisan, an artist who designed beautiful things. That's what he did. Um, could it be that God wanted to make sure that if this represents me and this is where people worship me, I want it to be beautiful? And of course, God even designs uh, the 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 uh, outfits that the high priest wears, the breastplates, got all kinds of of precious jewels in it, uh, and even designs the, the incense that will be burned in the holy place. Uh, and he says it has to have these ingredients. It has to smell this way. And if you don't make the incense according to God's standard, then, uh, you could suffer severely as a result. And I, and I've thought to myself, why, I mean, God's a spirit. Why does God care what something smells like. Do spirits even smell? Do they even know what things smell like? They don't have noses. Um, and why does God care about music that's played in uh, harmony and, and, and in a way that delights the ears? Uh, why did David compose all this beautiful music uh, for worship of God? Does God care what uh, instruments sound like, whether they're in harmony or not? Uh, he doesn't have ears. Uh, but yet God seems to care about the way things smell, the way they sound, the way they look. Um, and, and so God, and we're created in, in God's image. And so that means that, um, that we also are going to be, if we're going to do things God's way, then we have to, number one, we have to delight in things that are beautiful. Uh, and we ought to be creating things that are beautiful as well. And it, of course, we may not all be artists or musicians, uh, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I was reading um, something from Jordan Peterson in his book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. And, uh, and he has a, one of his rules, I think it's rule number eight, is try to make one room in your home as beautiful as possible. And, and Peterson, of course, is a psychologist um, and who's done all kinds of clinical work with people, says there's something therapeutic about having beauty in your life. And, mm-hmm. and maybe you, don't, you can't just create a Taj Mahal or something like that, but you can at least find one room in your house and make it beautiful so that maybe it's your living room. Maybe it's a garden area in your backyard. Uh, maybe you just plant uh, some, uh, you know, some nice uh, flowers or, or bushes or something. Uh, you know, maybe it's a living room where you put some, uh, some nice artwork up and it's your tranquil place. It's kind of what my wife and I did with a sunroom we built. We, we wanted to build a place that was just uh, tranquil, no oasis. It, 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 it looks out on nature and trees and leaves and things. And, uh, and so he says, uh, he says some interesting things. He says, making something beautiful is difficult, but it is amazingly worthwhile. If you learn to make something in your life truly beautiful, even one thing, then you have established a relationship with beauty. From there, you can begin to expand that relationship out into other elements of your life and the world. That is an invitation to the divine. 
And I thought that was interesting mm. uh, that w- w- I think as Christians, uh, we ought to take delight in beauty. And, and, you know, one thing I try to do with my kids, I'm not certainly not, not artistic, but uh, we would try to take our kids to some of the great uh, uh, art galleries or museums. We've been to the Louvre, been to the British uh, Museum uh, and a few places just to delight in things that are beautiful, just to show your kids uh, nature and mountain ranges and to delight in uh, the aesthetic of, of, of something that's beautiful. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, as I said, uh, my, my wife is, Lisa is very good at uh, just the way she even designs a home. And I mean, you, you know, to make a, a place or your home beautiful, beautiful doesn't mean that you hang expensive Rembrandts on the walls. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, it, you know, like with Lisa, she likes to decorate kind of sim- simply, like not have a lot of clutter on the walls, but uh, just to tastefully, uh, minimalistly, in a sense. Your wife is that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa likes to have uh, quiet, uh, maybe you know, music, classical music playing quietly. She loves burning uh, candles, scented candles. Uh, and just the just so that when you like for me, if I've been on a trip and I come home and I walk into my house and I it's quiet, it's orderly, it's neat. Uh, there's a, a b- nice smells fill the fill the air, maybe quiet, soft music. We have a little little fountain uh, thing that we can run. And so you sit in our sunroom and listen to water, uh, you know, dripping over rocks uh, quietly. It's um, it's, it's creating a, a place of beauty in your life that, um, that speaks to your soul. And, mm-hmm. uh, I don't quite get that. I mean, you're more of a artist than I am, but, uh, I, you know, it's interesting to me too. Uh, I think Christians, wherever that God puts us, and I mean, some of us are on very limited budgets. You can't just go buy lots of artwork, but, but sometimes just decluttering a place, uh, yeah. you know, I've been in homes where I, I literally know people that can't sleep in their bedroom because they have so much clutter filling their bedroom that they have to sleep out in the living room now. And there's just something uh, that I, I think that disrupts your soul uh, when everywhere you look is just, you're overwhelmed. Your senses are overwhelmed with stuff. And uh, and so I, I know Lisa works really hard at just hauling stuff to goodwill. We always have boxes in our back step uh, into the garage to take to goodwill to get it out of the house so that the closets aren't overwhelmed with clothes you can't even remember you have anymore or just stuff you'll never use but can't bring yourself to throw away Um, well it's you know and it's interesting too on a sort of a corporate level um that we as christians especially um from the uh maybe puritan line of christianity they really stripped away yeah all of the beauty of Christianity, <laughs> yeah. you know, in, in, yeah. a, in, a, in an aesthetic sense, obviously, you know, Puritans did many great things, but, um, and you see the remnant of that, I think, in like modern Protestant churches today, um, most of which aren't really beautiful. Right. You know, it's, if they're going to build a new thing, it's going to be you know, modern and more like a warehouse yeah. with a stage and a lot of lights. Well, you know, what's interesting that's... too is that now it's it's much more functional. And so, yeah. like, I was in a church, uh, Rick Fisher's church, a couple of weeks ago, 
and uh, they they had all these beautiful stained glass windows, which you don't always see in a no. especially a Baptist church. But uh, and but the, one of the reasons we don't have that anymore is because we want to be able to show powerpoints. We want to be able to cut all the lights off in the auditorium, so you don't want sunlight coming through and casting shadows or whatever. And they had a way uh, where they could pull blinds down over that if they had wanted to really darken the room. But but I, I tell you. I love stained glass windows, yeah, and I me too. I remember just standing there before the service started and just looking around at all the stained glass and the, the of course the stories it tells of Jesus and mm-hmm. the disciples and so on and um, and thinking yeah because I remember when I was a pastor I came to a very very functional plain kind of church building it got the job done you know it had a yeah. platform it had a pulpit had a little choir loft uh, baptistry but. Very, very plain. And uh, and I remember just thinking, what is it that makes me just want to beautify this place somehow? You know, old aging uh, decorations and, uh, you know, silk plants covered in dust. And, and so, like, I, I remember uh, just gradually buying some real plants and putting them strategically on the platform just to kind of liven it up, add some life there. And, and of course... Then uh, we had to water them every week, but uh, but they kept multiplying. People really seemed to enjoy it, and some fresh flowers, and uh, taking out dusty, old, out of date stuff. And uh, but I remember I had one guy in my church that was just the ultimate pragmatist, and yeah. you know, it's kind of like his attitude was, well, we need to work on the some drainage issues in you know the and outside the church building and and re landscape and. Uh, and you know, work on some of those kind of issues, the plumbing issues. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, we should do that too. But, but he just kind of thought, why waste money on a plant that you have to water all the time? And it was like, but we worship in this place. We we enter into this room, and then our hearts are being prepared to encounter a God. And yeah. uh, shouldn't that be, uh, you know, shouldn't we design that in a way that speaks to our soul? I, one of, the, of course, the, the the Puritans, like you you mentioned. They they were overreacting. I mean, they were reacting to some abuses. I think where because I because I've been in places. And if you go to Israel and you go to the uh, some of the churches there, it just seems gaudy, really. Just all yeah. the, the the decorations and the overkill in some ways. Trying to honor God. You know, it's funny. You go to where like he was the place where it, allegedly. He was born in a stable, but now it's this beautiful stained glass and all kinds of shiny decorative stuff everywhere. And and well, you think certainly a, there can certainly be a gaudy aspect. I think you can go overboard. Yeah. I think, with you know attempts at beauty. Yeah, but but, uh, but that but the pendulum swung way too far the other way. Yeah. And to the point where you just had these plain, plain. I don't, I don't know that we honor God. Uh, I mean, I, your focus should be on God when you worship. But I think when you see what God did when he was designing worship places, they weren't plain. I mean, the, yeah. the temple was not plain and the tabernacle was not plain. It was uh, very impressive. It, it, you, you had a worship experience just entering the building right? and you hadn't even started the service yet. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think that's what's, what's interesting is um, I would, it seems that very little thought goes into, you know, modern Protestant churches very little thought goes into what about the space 
is is ushering you into a state of worship yeah. or in a state of praise. Because if you've entered a Gothic cathedral, yeah. I think they're classic. You know, they uh, you're you're looking upward. Uh, the cross, the, the 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 altar is kind of in the center. That it's even designed in the shape of a cross. And there's just so many things that um, the the way the light uh, enters at certain places mm-hmm. all aims heavenward and. Um, but you know, the other thing I think just to maybe mention is in just a very practical sense. So what, what does this mean for us? Um, should, should we be people creating places of beauty? And, you know, I know people that when they go to work, uh, it, they don't care what it looks like. They work in a kind of a, a dumpster office, but it's not, you know, it's not their home. Uh, it's not, they don't own the, the office. Uh, and then I know other people that come where they work and they'll figure out how to make it more pretty, you know, or I know, I remember in my church, I had Sunday school teachers that would come and decorate their rooms for the kids. And, and it was just such an inviting, warm, beautiful place to come to. And it, it, it just, you know, children would walk in the room and already be affected by it. And, and yet other people don't even notice, don't care. Um, and, you know, I know even a simple thing like with you, I, I learned that, uh, you know, when you go for a walk with uh, Claire, a four-year-old Claire, uh, you you have her bring a garbage bag with her. And well, she usually reminds me to bring the, the garbage bag <laughs> and, at and, this point. And what's that for? I mean, why do you do well, that? That's for litter patrol. Litter patrol. And, you know, I just think that's really cool. That it's because it's not your litter. Most of what you're picking up no. is not stuff you guys have dropped out uh, oh, along I would the road. I say roadway. all of it is not ours. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you're teaching a four-year-old to pick up garbage that's along the roadside that people have carelessly dropped and some for some reason or other. Uh, but, you know, I think what you're teaching Claire is to value beauty, uh, uh, even if it's just a country road that doesn't have litter on the side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, garbage, you've got wildflowers, you've got grass there, but not litter. You're, you're teaching a child at four, not only to appreciate beauty, but to do your part to make things more beautiful. Right. And I, I heard this story of a very, very wealthy businessman who lives uh, not far from here. And someone just noted that they saw him going, walking through a parking lot to a store. Now, this guy's a billionaire and uh, he's a Christian. And uh, someone just noticed him as he's walking across the parking lot that he saw uh, some garbage sitting on the park. It's not his parking lot. It's not his store. Uh, it's, he's, it's some, it's another store, but he saw some garbage and he stopped, picked it up and carried it over and put it in the garbage. And you think this guy's worth billions and he's in someone else's establishment walking just through a parking lot. And who knows how filthy that garbage is and where it came from. But there were just, there's certain attitudes that said, but by just everybody picking up garbage here or there or decluttering their world uh, or planting a few trees on their property or planting a few flowers in front of their house or at least having one room that every time they go in that room in their house, whatever art they do have is hanging there and they've got uh, a scented candle burning and they keep it decluttered. There's something that speaks to your soul. And so I, you know, and I've wondered, and there's a lot of things I've talked to Daniel about writing about, uh, should Christians value beauty more than non-Christians? If, if we have the heart of God, the mind of God, if we appreciate what God has done in our world, 
should we not be better at noticing that than just someone else? Uh, mm-hmm. I lived for years by the Rocky Mountains, and I, you know, I, I, even after I lived there a dozen years, uh, I still, every time I'd turn a corner on the road and I'd see the mountains uh, spread out before me, I couldn't help but just admire them once again. It just seemed like every day the lighting would be just a little different. There'd be different colors. Yeah. The cloud cover would be different or the snow cover on it. And you just, I never got tired of admiring them and, and realizing the vastness of the, the one who created those mountains uh, and to make them so beautiful to, to look at. And I think there's just something that speaks to your soul, uh, whether it's appreciating just some classic music playing in the background uh, or having some artwork, even if it's just a duplicate, you know, yeah. uh, a copy, but but taking time to admire, going to a museum and admiring the great masters and what they did and just just taking a day or taking your kids and admiring things that are beautiful. Uh, yeah. There just seems to be uh, that God doesn't do things shabbily. God doesn't do things second rate. And we're not God. We don't have the cattle on a thousand hills like he does to put into his work. But what you do have, if it's just a matter of just keeping a place clean and tidy, I think everybody can do that. And yeah. everybody can just give, have an eye to arrangement, uh, you know, not, not just filling things up uh, willy-nilly, but having some sense of uh, proportion and uh, design and order and lighting. Uh, there's just so much that we could do. And so I thought it would be a little bit different um, uh, podcast today. But uh, as I was thinking about the ways of God, it just kind of struck me that God delights in creativity. He delights in visual aesthetics, uh, audio aesthetics of just sound, smell. Uh, I think God gave us every one of our senses uh, for a reason, and not just for our self-preservation, but uh, because I've thought to myself, you know, when a deer is walking through the forest at night, uh, does a deer all of a sudden look up and be in awe at the sunset you know does he ever stumble upon a a waterfall and stop and think wow isn't that pretty you know i i I don't know i don't know what animals think but uh that's true i'm I'm guessing that they were not created in the image of god like we were yeah and it might just be that over the course of our life we miss a lot of what god intended to bring us pleasure Uh, there's a lot of pleasure to be had not just in what you own, but even just what you can admire and appreciate. Yeah. Uh, we, my grandsons, we were at the beach last week, and uh, and I think Claire was there too, and we, we saw the beautiful kind of a blue bird. I don't think it was, know if it was a blue bird itself, but it was blue and it was a bird. Uh, and you just look at some of these birds and just the intricacy and the colors and the design, and you can find great delight in just enjoying the beauty that is all around us. And uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes just cleaning out your garage can be a, a the next time you come into that garage, everything is cleaned up and straightened out and vacuumed, washed, swept out. Uh, it does something to your soul. And yeah, maybe, really maybe some of the angst that we're seeing in society today is with a bunch of people with cluttered lives, messy lives, uh, ugly kind of environments in which they work and exist. And uh, you could be a, you know, a very poor person, but ha- I've been in homes that were, they didn't have a lot of money, but it was, they obviously took good care of what they had and they, they arranged it well and they kept it up well and they dusted what little they had 
well and you walked into their humble abode and and it was a delightful experience to be there and mm. so i think we can all do that whether it's in the place we worship place we work place we live place we relax uh or just enjoying as you just travel about uh yeah enjoying the goodness of god and uh for some reason god has delighted in beautiful things and so i feel like in some ways we should do the same yeah well i think we can all strive to appreciate and or create beautiful things in our lives so appreciate you taking us through this and until next time thanks for listening to the podcast if this is something you enjoyed it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on apple podcasts or wherever you listen don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends we always love hearing from our listeners so email us at podcast at blackv.org